I'm Chris Stevenson, and you're listening to Strange Assembly, episode 82, Cyber Exodus. Never Stop Gaming. Strange Assembly is a podcast and website about board games, card games, and role-playing games. Legend of the Five Rings, and beyond. I'm Chris Stevenson, and you're listening to Strange Assembly. I'm here today with David Kempe. Hello. And Mike Cook. Hey. Hey, and we're going to be talking today about Netrunner and specifically the most recently released data pack, Cyber Exodus. We know, we know the spoilers for a study in static are already up, but we're going to restrict ourselves to the cards that you're actually allowed to use right now if you're going to a, a local tournament. Like I know we're having, after Legend of the Five Rings this Saturday, we're having Netrunner to try to get those extra promo copies of Melange Mining Corp. <laughs> because they are so tasty. Oh man, they're so pretty. <laughs> yeah. Our regular listeners will recognize Mike. David's been on before, but less frequently. He plays Legend of the Five Rings and won the Icebreaker Tournament at Gen Con last year. So we're happy to have you on again, Kempi, to talk about Netrunner. Thank you. It's happy to be here. Well, it's good. We can just have a big mutual appreciation society. Yay, we're all awesome. Yes, indeed. So, Cyber Exodus... The Anarchs got a new virus, Nerve Agent, and a new resource, Joshua B. I'll start off by saying that I don't like Joshua B. at all. Uh, he's he is not going to see play unless he is broken. I am pretty sure. I, I feel like there needs to be some way of avoiding that tag, and if you can, you suddenly have five actions a turn, basically. Um, and Nerve Agent is really, I feel, more of a criminal card at this point. Like, I, I, I can't... I see a lot of reason to run that in criminal and not as much reason to run it in Anarch. Yeah, I was going to say, well, part of the... One of the biggest problems with Joshua B is... Since it is itself a resource, it's very easy to then get trashed. And it's easy to overlook that. But that's one of the reasons, like, Jay was running it against me, and every time he'd run it, I would just trash it the next turn. Yeah, you have to have something that not just, probably that not just lets you avoid the tag, but lets you repeatedly avoid a tag. But I don't, there isn't right. anything right now that you can throw out there that just lets you over and over again dodge tags, right? You have to use one-shot stuff like decoy. Yeah, there's nothing at this moment, no. You can get bits for it, but that's it. Yes, but you, yeah, you still don't have the chance to get rid of it before they just blow up the, the Joshua B. Nerve Agent, I see the point, obviously, of, of running it in Criminal. Criminal, you want to run on HQ anyway, because you get a benefit, and this just gives you even more... I don't have it in my criminal deck right now because 
it sucks up an MU without being an icebreaker, and, and Lord knows that deck has enough problem with icebreakers. Yeah. You're not going to be like an Anarch deck that might have Jin. You don't get ancillary benefits from it like you would with Noise. The other thing is that in an Anarch deck, your opponent might not have as heavily iced HQ because you don't have the same motivation to run on HQ over and over again. Whereas it doesn't usually seem to take that long with Criminal before my opponent has... The first thing that they're going to ice up is HQ. And it's going to very quickly have multiple pieces of ice on it, which means that like I, I don't like the idea of putting even more eggs in the I-need-to-run-on-HQ basket. Yeah. Speaking of which, emergency subdown. <laughs> now that I, I am willing to put in my criminal deck, because possibly costing the corp 8 bits is amazing. And yes. It's free and it doesn't cost any influence and as far as I can tell, the targets you should be having for emergency shutdown are Archer, eight costs, and then maybe not even play the card. I had someone play it on a Data Raven earlier, while they already had like six tags, <laughs> which was weird. <laughs> that is strange. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I would bother using it on something like a four cost ice unless. I was immediately going to run on that server, and they didn't have the bits to re-res it. Yes. Yeah, so that that seems like a pretty fantastic addition that Criminal got. The other one, Moresh Bodysuit, does not seem to have any purpose right now. Really, really terrible. I, I just don't know what they were thinking with this card. Hey, at least it doesn't cost you a bit in a memory unit. <laughs> But at least net shield's more, you're more likely to take net damage than you are meat damage. You're, you're more likely to take small amounts of net damage than you are to right. take small amounts of meat damage. Yeah. So, I would say net damage, uh, net shield is probably actually strictly better. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mirage right. bodysuit would want to be something like a one-shot negate all meat damage from one thing, so you could stop yourself from getting, you know, scorched in the face or whatever. Like, that effect on a hardware would be fantastic. Unfortunately, the only thing it's on right now is a resource. Wait, it prevents three meat damage. Uh, Crash Base does. Yeah. I guess there is a third criminal one, though. Snitch. Snitch is interesting. I... Yeah, it, it seems to fall into the category of, that's a nifty effect, but... I've got lots of really, really good effects in my deck already. And again, I guess I'm extremely skittish about, especially in the way I have my criminal deck built, I'm very skittish about sucking up MU with stuff that's not icebreakers. And the reason I'm particularly skittish in criminal is because the criminal icebreakers are so bad that I have a pretty heavy amount of icebreakers imported from other factions, and that means that I have a wide variety of icebreakers, so there's more of a chance that I will want, like, I will end up with multiple, like, multiple barrier icebreakers instead of there just being, oh no, I'm just always going to drop that fractor. Ninja's not bad. 
Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of the better Century Ice versions of the game. But no, I mean, it was to a point where I was actually... Um, this was just a really weird criminal build that I had, but I actually was running uh, Jin, and one of the main icebreakers I was using was just Crypsis. So I was actually using nerve agent along with uh you know some other programs like that because it gives you that extra mu and you could fish up uh crypsis it helped yeah. a little bit but it's it's not something i i terribly recommend because it was also fairly influence heavy and i did feel that extra a- actions that i had to put into crypsis to get it to work yeah yep. yeah well and you can and you don't need gin to that's one of the again the nice things about criminal because you have special order you can just tutor up a particular ice if you want. And I still have Crypsis in my criminal deck because I I don't see any reason. Again, when I have a tutor, I like to spread out my thing. So, like, yes, there's a Femme Fatale in there, and yes, there's a Crypsis in there, and Crypsis can suck up a lot of actions, but it is nice to have as a fail-safe. Yeah. So, criminal uh, Shaper? Yeah, you know, Shaper obviously is the the big one for this because they got the new identity chaos theory who gives you an extra memory unit and lets you only play 40 cards. She is so good. I do not see a reason as of right now to play her over Kate. Uh, to, to, to play, play Kate over her. Right over now. her, yeah. Yeah. The ever extra memory means that you don't need to be running any extra many memory cards, except for possibly your console. I'm pretty sure you're running your console. <laughs> well, yeah, d- d- dinosaurs is also fantastic, but yeah, but like the the not needing to run Akamatsu memory chip or any of the worst extra memory cards is really really good. And I've heard a few people tell me that Chaos Theory is overpowered, um, when really what they mean is Personal Workshop is overpowered. Uh, do you guys have a, a thoughts on Chaos Theory? Other than her being absolutely amazing? Well, you know, I think like the, uh, like the article that when they were talking about it said, it, it Kate is, you know, more long game you save money, but what I've found is that at least where this, the game is right now is the long game is a lot rougher because I've been playing still as Kate and I've been like looking and eyeing it, uh, moving over because sometimes I do fine, but there's a lot of times where it just really peters out. So mm-hmm. the, the economy does help, but it's not such an overwhelming economy advantage that the memory unit, uh, in fact, I would say more Kate's benefit is the link, but there's little enough stuff done with tags that that's really not that great a benefit right now. There's also not enough cloud programs and not enough things that care about link as of right now. Right, right. I think she might actually come into her own a little bit when the, uh, the game matures more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but isn't it also the case that if, I mean, if, if Kate was going to be good, shouldn't this really be Kate's time to shine? Wasn't this supposed to be the series of data packs that really emphasized tracing? If we're saying Kate's just worse than Chaos Theory now. Oh, no, no, because there's really, there's not a whole lot of stuff you do with tracing, to be honest. There's only a couple of cards, and they're, most of them are mediocre. 
uh, from what I've seen. Yeah, but I mean, if, if this is supposed to be the set of data facts that emphasizes tracing, why do we well, think that tracing is going to get... I don't think that this was the one that emphasized tracing. It's the one where they showed where tracing could do other things, where you had things like caduceus. You, you had things like that, where they, they are doing traces, but traces aren't just giving you tags. Uh, but I don't think that's going to stop. TMI, Ash, bunches of cards that do traces. But yeah. there's not, but there's not a whole lot of, other than like, um, I mean, most of them you just don't, a lot of times, I mean, I found that I'll run around with like six tags, and if I don't have any resources I've got out, I don't care, because no one's running any punishment for it. Um, other than NBN. Well, yeah. NBN and Wayland, which is right. half the field, if you right. consider that Hospiroid takes up a lot of the field and Shinteki takes up almost none of it. Right. And really, it, it, with, with Wayland, you kind of have to feel it out. Is it, okay, are they trying to smoke me deck, or is it actually a speed deck? Yeah. Well, we mentioned Dinosaurus. That thing is amazing, especially for Anarchs. I... Yes. Yep. A, a Yogg on Dinosaurus. Is there anything that can stop that right now? Uh, Wayland Ice that gets boosted? Does Wayland have any Codegate Ice that gets boosted? Probably not. I know they have barriers, and they have a century. Yeah. I don't think no, they're... no, they they don't have. Wait, uh, wait, yeah, no, no, that's a barrier. That's what I'm thinking. I, I'm thinking of um, God, the ten cost one. Uh, Hadrian's wall. Yeah, Hadrian's wall, but it's it's a barrier. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell because that's got the word wall <laughs> in the card title. Listen, you, it is part of a wall. Wall, <laughs> static. Yeah, those are all in fact barriers. Yes. Um, yes. As a general rule, I do believe if it's got wall in the name of the ice, it's a barrier. Dinosaurs is also the reason that I'm suddenly running Femme Fatale in everywhere, basically. Yeah. The the extra two strength really matters uh, a lot. And letting Femme Fatale get much closer to breaking everything as opposed to, say, Mimic, which I think would be the next best choice if you're running it in Dinosaurus. Mimic get, gets, what, to 5 strength and can't break Archer, so it dies. Whereas well, Archer's, Archer's 6, right? Archer's 6. So, well, I mean, you still have Personal Touch, but I don't know if that you really gets run as much. still have Personal Touch, which means you're putting even more eggs in one basket. Basket, yeah. And if you get aggressive secretaried or any number of strength increasing effects, right? Uh, you just two for one yourself. Yep. Which is bad. Not a good plan. Yes. Uh, but yes, dinosaurs, fantastic. And then there's uh, you mentioned personal workshop, which apparently you are a. Uh, it, it sounded like an extreme fan of. Yeah. I find that the games that I do not draw my personal workshops just go horribly, horribly wrong. It really, it's personal workshops interaction with Stimhack that's really useful. Just, uh, Stimhack, get a bunch of credits, use it to buy whatever's on the workshop? Yeah. And be uh, like, oh, I took a brain damage, don't care. Yeah, because you run, or at least I, I'm running, uh, public sympathy, which is also in this, to 
mitigate the damage, and anything that I would have wanted in my hand was already on the workshop to begin with. Wow. Uh, so you think public sympathy... See, I looked at public sympathy, and I did not think that that was worth running. It's worth running when you average playing two stim hacks a game. And so it's all in context. <laughs> yes, and now we know why Kate... Now we know why everybody's running Chaos Theory, because Kate's busy recovering from brain damage. Yes. But there is one more Shaper card, which was Test Run. Uh, it's the uh, either yeah, 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 yeah. tutor or regrowth on presumably a piece of ice. <laughs> I always forget I, that this can pull a from the heap. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I saw that too. Honestly, what I end up running well, no, I'm still running in this in Kate. What I use it a lot of times is to pull a magnum opus. Uh, that's I, I think the general idea because. You can You do that first, and then you get six clicks, and then it goes on top, and the next turn you play it. Yeah. You, you get six uh, bits or whatever. Well, usually I will test run either a Magnum Opus or a Femme Fatale, because both of right. those are kind of mean. Yep. Yeah, I have to remember that test run does not immediately send you on a run. No. no. The fact <laughs> that it's got the word run in the title is uh, apparently confusing to me. It's confusing to to me too, but I've gotten over it after playing it fifty billion times. <laughs> yeah, test runs a fantastic card. Yes. So Shaper win this set. Yeah. Well, I mean that's kind of intentional, right? They've got more yeah. cards than anybody else does, and it feels to me like it's kind of supposed to be deliberately oh this is the whatever the featured identity is is supposed to be the nifty one for the sets yeah whoever, whoever gets the new identity gets these so i mean because some of it's just like i mean things like dinosaurs is just obviously amazing and but well, and this is this is a lot of times how their lcgs go uh, having played a little bit of game of thrones and well, and Lord of the Rings uh, LCG, this is, and the Warhammer Invasion. You saw this in most of those LCGs as well. So basically, you played all of their LCGs except for Call of Cthulhu. No, I played that a little bit too. I just didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just like there's some base set cards that are still some of the most overpowered cards in the game, so it's it's not great. Huh. Well, that could also be a an argument that they. Uh have not succumbed to power creep, so I don't know. No, they started with their power creep, and they don't have any kind of cycling system, so there's no way to get it out. It's fantastic. Yes. So on the corpse side, so we think Haas Bioroid, well, maybe, I don't know if we think, but I think the consensus would be that Haas Bioroid was on top, and they picked up a nice three-for-two agenda, and then Viper, which I'm yeah. less enthused about. Well, I mean, the three for two agenda is essentially blank, unless you really need something from archives. I, I don't think I have ever seen someone actually use Project Vitruvirus or Vitruvius. 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 I would say Vitruvius. Yeah. It is Vitruvius, but like for the first. First, like, three months I was... Or, first month and a half I was playing with this card, I kept saying Vitruvirus. 
But uh, Vitruvius, Project Vitruvius, I don't see any reason anyone would overclock that. Not for three. Yeah. Oh, well, no, I guess it's not really just over three. Every one. So it, it only right. costs one more, um, but you you really need to need something in the archives for that to be reasonable, I yeah. feel. So it's essentially another three for two for the best corp that's also getting the first mega pack. Does this seem reasonable to anyone? <laughs> Yeah, when you say Mega Pack, you mean Creation and Control, right? Yeah, yeah, Creation and Control is going Shaper and Haas, which, I mean, Mary probably was not the best decision on their part, in my opinion. Oh, here's a random question that has nothing to do with Cyber Exodus, but I, po- I just haven't bothered to look it up. For the uh, the big expansions... Are mm-hmm. they like the normal data packs where you just buy the one, or is it like the core set where you need to buy two? It, it's uh, so only far, it's just one one. It's only going to be one. Only the core set do you have to buy multiples, multiples solely because they wanted the core set to be playable out of the box. None of the... I mean, the data packs don't need to be playable out of the box, and if you're buying one of the big packs, it's assumed that you already have the base set. And they've always kind of skirted around that issue as well, because people have asked them, okay, well, that doesn't seem consistent. But part of it is they're trying to keep costs down as well. But the only one that they've never, of all, all their LCGs, the only one that has not been like this since they switched over to the get, you get three of everything is the, the Star Wars one that's coming up. Really? The Star Wars big box is going to be, you need two of it. But that's also bringing in two whole new factions. So rather than making you buy, like, one for uh, bounty hunters and one for smugglers, you just have to buy two if you want two of everything. And that's a late quarter two release, so that's supposed to be June-ish, theoretically? The uh, bounty hunters, smugglers, I imagine, is going to be, like, June... uh, Or wait, I'd expect it to be, like, April, because I think they're supposed to be trying to get the multiplayer out before June. Well, oh, bye, June. looking at their current thing, I think it's still listed as in development on their website, or, oh. I mean, when you look at the release list, Future Proof for Netrunner and A Dark Time for for the Star Wars LCG are both ahead of it in the queue, and those are listed as May, and Edge of the Empire is listed as quarter two, and I think is probably going to be May... It's kind of yeah. where it felt like it was going based on, because that was already at the printers. Yeah, so it's probably it's probably just me misremembering it. It's probably, because I, they must have said at Gen Con they wanted to put it out by Q2, but it probably is going to end up, you, early Q3 would be, would be. Yeah, yeah, well that's why I said June, because I'm like, well technically June is still Q2. Right. So, we'll, uh, yeah, that's, that's still just a while yet. Yeah, I was, we were actually going to talk about Desolation of Hoth for this episode as well, but at least when I checked last night, this CardGameDB.com did not have the spoiler up, and I have it went up last. It went up last night. Oh, okay. I, I got an. I think I got an email or a tweet. I saw the tweet. Uh, uh. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, and I haven't gotten to the store yet, so I was gonna buy it this Saturday. Uh, it's really interesting, but it's. Start, that one is going to much more fall into the same thing as Game of Thrones, where 
one pack is kind of interesting, but you really need to be two or three packs into a cycle before, before it, it matters because there's all this yeah. playing a bunch of. Well, we'll talk about that when we later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Jinteki. Well, we, we weren't technically done with Viper. Oh. Okay, you had. Viper is only one influence, and I feel like it's going to see play in NBN. Possibly. Yeah. Because it's a code gate that traces, which I don't think has existed before now. And... It's got two really nasty traces. Well, I mean, really nasty... I mean, it's as nasty as, like, Enigma is. Yeah. Which is nice. But the big thing is that now they can run things like Chilo City Grid and actually get tags on the runner. Run a bunch of things with two traces on them for double tags, for double fun. But I I, I can't honestly see Viper seeing any play in an actual Hossfireoid deck. No, I mean, even in my winlet, I like Caduceus, but I'm probably going to take it out, because I, I just haven't had any luck with it. But yeah, Jinteki? Jinteki, so... Jinteki it seems to be, I would say, is considered the weakest faction period right mm-hmm. now. One of the things, as our listeners will hear later, one of their potential issues is they've got lots of, lots of conditional ice, so then you've got Sunset to help you fix that, and our listeners, people who listen to us a lot will know from L5R and, and just card games generally, one of my opinions is, usually, well, if you have one weak card, and you, like, are playing one independently weak card for the sole purpose of shoring up the weakness in your other cards that aren't, like, that great or anything, that's usually a combination to lose. So, I generally look at, I look at something like Sunset and go, I, this is terrible. I don't want to play Ice that I don't want to play along with an operation that I don't want to play so they can combine together to not suck. But maybe you have a different opinion. I don't. <laughs> now, and, and the fact that, I mean, you really couldn't balance this to be able to go across servers, but that's almost what you'd need sometimes for it to be worth anything. Uh, on one server, yeah, yeah, it's exactly what you said. It would be a lot, just like what you said, it would be a lot nicer if I could move my Ichi that I have installed from a remote server that you've already emptied to to maybe archives because you're playing Anarch or Criminal and actually run on archives suddenly. Right. Right. I, I think a, a better use for the card would have been move a piece of ice somewhere else. Yeah. Or even if it's even if it's just the outside of somewhere else. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now their other card is Edge of the World, which doesn't seem bad. Still didn't get into my Jinteki deck, but I at least thought about it. The problem with Edge of the World is that it's hard to get the runner to run on something that isn't advanced. Yep. And that's the same problem that I've had with uh, playing Jinteki. I feel like Jinteki would be... uh, I don't want to give a stupid percentage. I I feel like they would be a lot better if you could advance a lot of their traps. Because the problem is, you put something down, and then like the runner doesn't run on it because they're doing something else. And then it sits there for two turns, and you haven't advanced it. And they basically know that's not any kind of agenda. 
So then you've basically wasted a click. Yes, but then you can do things like double-think them. And I've done this before, and put, like, an agenda with two advancement counters on it, undefended, for, like, three turns. Right, right. You know, no, I mean, the, the mind games do come into it, but... Uh, and that's I, most of what Jinteki is supposed to be about. My problem with Jinteki, um, and I feel like this is a little bit more about, like, their flavor, is it feels like you need to be psychic to actually play them. <laughs> uh. Yeah, no, I would agree, because, yeah, like you were saying, with trying to bait out their style by putting down some, you know, putting down an expensive card, or uh, putting out whatever, you kind of need to do that with Jinteki, but you kind of don't have the latitude to do it. Yes. That's what I feel like a lot of times. But yeah, that like Edge of the World, I feel like is much worse than it it could have been. Um, I feel it's it's going to generally do around two or three brain damage if it's installed. But there's a huge opportunity cost in drawing the card, playing the card, hoping that the runner never accesses it between coming from your deck to a, a remote server. And, unlike an agenda, it needs two or three ice in front of it to even be useful. Right. And, Jinteki, you really don't, or at least how I've been playing it, you really don't as much want to just stack one thing. Uh, we don't really want to stack one server. You really want to spread out your assets and your... Uh, you want to have a number of remote servers. Yeah. Because you don't want him to know where to go, so... By that nature, you'd have like you know maybe two or like three or four remote servers and maybe a, a piece of ice or two on any of them. So well, that goes opposite of Edge of World. I think you're again noting that I did not not actually putting it in a deck, but I I don't know that Edge of the World needs to hit somebody with three pieces of ice or something to be worth it. If that I mean obviously it's better if you'd hit them for three brain damage, but just if I could actually get the runner just for one brain damage with Edge of the World, they pay to go through my ice, and then I pay three to permanently ding their hand size down, that well, is worth it, uh, if that, it but, actually hits. But, but you, know? you want net damage uh, more than you want brain damage. I mean, brain damage hurts, but because you don't have to discard down until the end of their turn, they if they know what they're doing, they can still pad their hand before they make you know the last run. But the, the other big problem with... Edge of the World is that if you if, if you compare Edge of the World to say Snare for right. just one more credit like three credits in Jinteki in particular is not something to laugh at. Like Jinteki has a serious problem getting just a random three credits lying around, unlike say every other corp. Right. Uh, but if you compare Edge of the World to Snare. I would much rather have a snare that A, will work wherever it's accessed from, and B, is going to do a significant amount of damage when it's accessed. Oh, I mean, yeah, there's no doubt that snare is better, but snare is also amazing, right? I mean, you can't, the fact that something isn't as good as snare, I, they shouldn't be making a bunch of things that are as good as snare. Not at this I'm point. not trying to say that, it's just that the cost to set off Edge of the World is similar to the cost of set-off snare. Yes, ma- makes it comparable to snare, wi- in which case it just 
it loses that everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it basically loses the matchup, even though it costs less. <laughs> so NBN gets marked accounts and pop-up window. I haven't really messed with NBN much playing with them. I like pop-up window. I was not sure quite how good it was, but I think you you like it since you were talking about running it out of faction, Kempi. Or maybe for our listeners, you will talk about running it out of faction. Yeah. I don't remember well, anymore. Yeah, pop up window is in my Jinteki deck because it's it costs zero, it gains you credits, and it is an insanely good target for sunset to have sunset in front of. It's not you mean sunset. sensei, 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 yeah, sensei. because. It really any of the uh, ice that doesn't have end the run but has a really nasty effect is fantastic for Sensei to be in front of. Oh come on, pop up window has end the run technically. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> pop up window says that you gain one credit every time the runner runs on this server. So you put it on, probably on a central server, because they'll be running it a bunch. Yep. I like pop-up window. I don't like marked accounts. It's free, but it's so slow. Marked accounts is, uh, it's not, I don't want to say it's free, it's not free pad campaign, but it's harder to break, and it's still giving you three for one, and it costs nothing to flip it. Well, that's what I meant when I said it's free. The big right. thing about marked accounts is that marked accounts and pad campaign can be your entire money generation. Like, straight up. Yeah, and certainly and, it's something that, except when your opponent's wizard, you're certainly willing to just throw it out there unprotected. Like, even more so than pad campaign. The thing is, how often is your opponent wizard? Well, right. I, 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 I feel the need to put that proviso in there so that I don't say, oh, you can just always throw it out there, and then one of you comes back and says, well, unless your opponent's wizard. Well, but even wizard only gives you three. It's still going to cost him two real, and at most you've lost, uh, I don't like two-thirds of a click? Well, I think at most you've lost two clicks, if one to play it yeah, and one to activate. Well, yeah, at worst case. Yeah. I feel like marked accounts comes up to opportunity costs. Mm-hmm. If the opportunity cost of playing a marked accounts and getting it trashed is much less than, like, say, Melange, where you're right. expecting to get real benefit out of Melange mining, and you the runner only loses one click to trash it. Yep. Yes. Well, that's yeah one of the reasons why Melange goes inside a server that has ice on it. <laughs> I understand, but like, you marked accounts only cost you one click a turn, as opposed to three. And it's basically one click, get three credits that'll pay out over the next three turns. Well, I was going to say, mar- marked accounts doesn't it doesn't cost a click a turn, it costs a click every three turns. Every three turns, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can click it every turn if you want, but that seems dumb. Well, <laughs> you, can, you can click it a bunch in one turn. That'd be dumb, but... <laughs> the big problem I have with marked accounts is that it's an NBN card. 
and it feels like a Jinteki card. NBN sort of is the fast advance faction, and as far as I can tell, even if you're playing, if you're playing the fast advance version or you're playing the flatline version, you're hoping the game to be over in seven or eight turns. Yeah. Well, I guess that depends on on how you're looking at the feel like Jinteki, because you also, you know, earlier mentioned something about how Jinteki's got bad economy, basically. So if that's designed to be, you know, right, they've they've got to make sure to distinguish factions, like or right, just like over in uh in the runner side, criminals have great events but bad ice and. And there's this kind of weakness and that kind. Of, I mean, if that if it's intentional, which I imagine it is, that oh, Jinteki's yes. got some economy weaknesses, then you don't go giving Jinteki marked accounts. Where I'd be much more, you'd be much more enthusiastic about marked accounts in Jinteki. Yes, well, but, but the, the big thing is that like if you make a corp that their downside is that they have no money, that corp is always going to be terrible. Terrible. Well, and there's a difference between their downside and their complete and utter downfall. And part of the thing is, you know, the faction cost is only one, but they also gave them ice that doesn't stop runs, so they're having to import ice and very rarely have import stuff, so they're only going to be able to do the neutral money stuff a lot of times. Yes, yes, as we will, again, I think we'll talk about later on about me and private contracts and hospital right in my Jinteki deck. <laughs> but last, uh, we have Wayland, which has woodcutter and commercialization. I, I do not like woodcutter right now. I'm pretty sure that's because it's a terrible card. Yeah. <laughs> but I, like, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't understand that can only be advanced when res. That, like, just absolutely kills that card. Well, I understand why it's like that. And the reason being is that up until now, every ice that you could res, the effect that it did was either end the run or shadow which gave you a trace. If you advance woodcutter four times and then they run on it, not necessarily prepared, that can be game. And sometimes you have to run on something with a good idea that... It could be something really bad for you. Yeah. No, um, I understand. I, I just I still feel like there was more room to be balanced here. It gains that subroutine for every two advanced encounters or three, and and can be advanced. Well, or it doesn't have. Or or it doesn't have to be brain damage. It could have just been net damage. It is it net is damage. Or oh, is net damage? Yeah. It was damage for some reason. Yeah. Oh, if it was brain damage, uh, woodcutter best best card in the set easily. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really lackluster as is. Yeah, and, and it's a four it's four for a two strength sentry, which is not impressive either. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess once a reasonable yeah. amount of advancement, and it's a basically a the neural katana variant, which may be why it's worse because. Jinteki's supposed to be the faction that's better about hacking you in the face with ice. Yes. And then commercialization. I It takes a lot of setup. Yeah. But 
This card is the reason that a Wayland's no-asset money deck is possible, I feel. Because now they have commercialization, they have hedge funds, they have beanstalk royalties, and they have another card coming up that's not actually in Wayland, but will be in every Wayland deck. (laughs) But that's an economy. That is an entire economy right there, which is pretty scary, honestly. Well... Commercialization, it's, I mean, not only does it re- obviously require setup, but it, you have to have economy before you have commercialization. You're basically just getting credits back that you already spent, and credits, I mean, you have to invest a lot of credits and clicks before. You have to advance the piece of ice three times, which is three clicks and three credits, before commercialization is the same thing as beanstalk royalties. And now you have an ice that's advanced three times. <laughs> No, I was going to say, and they also have, um, oh God, the transaction one that lets you just put two advancement tokens on two things. One advancement token on two different things. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, still, it's it's good that they have late later game money, too, but it's it's never going to kick in right at the beginning when you get a when you want to get a jump start on on anything. I don't know. Yeah, well, and one of the things that's kind of tough when you're looking at these packs, like you know, just what we were talking with Game of Thrones, is sometimes you look at it and you're like, this doesn't seem good now, but it could potentially be really good. And then sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, well, it's not like commercialization seems like a bad a bad right. card. It just, I can't get too pumped about it, I guess. With commercialization and with... All, all, basically all of their economy being in faction. They can yeah. run a few out of faction ice, and they can especially run Trick of the Lights. So yep. you can set up for commercialization while also setting up for basically your coup de gras for the last agenda. Yeah. Flicker of Light kind of struck me as weird for how high its faction cost was, but I guess that's intentional. <laughs> Probably because it would be insane in Wayland. Wayland, yeah, because no, nobody else is going to care either. Uh, NBN, I could see a reason for it with, uh... Right. With, what is the name of that century that I never play in NBN? Century that advances cards on your opponent's turn. Yeah. Well, I just, like, I could understand a two, but I think it's a three. Which seems like really high to me, but you know, whatever. Well, again, yeah, as as like Kempi said, that may specifically be to make it painful for somebody like Wayland to try to right move advancement tokens from from the ice to the. Oh, I'm sure they have a reason. I mean, we haven't seen anywhere near the total sets, and these have been playtest. I'm sure they don't playtest per pack. I'm sure they playtest as a whole, and then look down at the pack and make sure it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. The last couple, the non-faction things, there's private contracts and Chimera. I think private contracts is definitely playable. Again, you'll you'll hear more in a little about about me and private contracts in my Jinteki deck later on. But I think it's fantastic. Uh, Absolutely. I feel like it is a card that is going to. It is the reason that Jinteki is suddenly. Slayable, but still terrible. <laughs> like, I, I have a Jinteki deck that works solely because private contracts exists. 
honestly. So the last card in the set is Chimera, the you can keep rezzing me over and over again, and I'm going to try to be whatever it is that the runner can't handle this time. I have not had any uh, success with Chimera. I don't tend to... My two decks are Jinteki and NBN, so I don't really tend to play a lot of decks that can afford to pay two credits every turn just to keep you out. So I feel like it might shine a little bit better in factions with better economy. I well, and I I've been playing Wayland mostly, and my problem with Kimura is that uh, it. So are we having like a contest here on how many different ways we could pronounce this? Or yes, have three different ways to pronounce okay. this card. Yep. <laughs> well, but that's true. The, the actual feature. Um, but my problem with it is it never seems to have a really good time to shine because the beginning of the game, you really don't have that much, that, that many bits, no matter who you are. Otherwise, I'm going to, you know, if this is my only piece of ice, you really don't want it to be your only piece of ice. But if this is the piece of ice you pull, that's, you know, potentially all of your economy to stop the runner from hitting something before, a, you know, his set of turns. By the time towards end game where you might have better economy, they're probably going to have their setup and with strength zero and only one subroutine, it's really not that hard to break. Maybe the middle game, but the middle game tends to be so short in this game, I just I don't see any reason to run it myself. The other big thing is that, like, if you run up against a mono Crypsis or mono AI deck, it's suddenly incredibly useless. Yeah. Uh, at zero strength and two res cost every turn. Okay, so I think that's all we have for Cyber Exodus. If you stay around on the other side of the break, we'll have some random discussion of Netrunner. So we'll see you on the flip side. One of my plans before this weekend was to uh, rip apart my Jinteki deck and just make it Haas Bioroid. <laughs> okay, I just I just built a Jinteki deck uh, that I think is good, but it it's really weird. It runs Neural EMP, which <laughs> hurt me. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Jay was saying the same thing. He really wanted to play it as much as he didn't like it. It's one of those cards that you know is terrible. But you just, sometimes you need that finisher. Yeah. Neural EMP next to, like, Scorched Earth, and you go, this card is is bad. Well, Neural EMP doesn't require you to have tagged the runner, though, right? Oh, yeah, what has to have happened is a, a run had to have happened in the, in the turn previous. It doesn't need to be a successful run, so it's very easy to get a Neural EMP off. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree it's a bad card, but, I mean, it, at, at it's least not a twice. Comparator. At least twice I have had games where I had three neural EMPs in my hand and just could never swing for the win. I, I could never just hit him at two or less cards after having made a run on the previous turn, which was really weird. I, I think the general strategy against Jinteki, which Jinteki doesn't have all that many answers for that I've seen, 
is that instead of running at the end of the turn, you draw up at the end of the turn and then run at the beginning of your turn and draw back up if you need to at the end. And that works. It's also the reason why the other Jinteki identity, the uh, you must make a run on a central server before you can make a run on a remote server, is so good. Yeah. It just doesn't have the agendas yet, as far as I can right. tell. Right. Jinteki, yeah, agendas are really tough. Jinteki has some of the worst agendas. It has Nisei, which is amazing, and then Fetal AI, which... You can't run in that deck, essentially. And Brain Trust, which is absolutely terrible. I am surprised at how terrible Brain Trust is. It's pretty bad. What did you say for Fetal AI, that you could not run it? Not in that deck. That deck actually wants to win by scoring agendas, not by killing the runner. And Fetal AI is built to kill the runner. Kill the runner, right. I guess my Jinteki is out of the other one, but I don't really... I almost never actually kill the runner. It's just that you're beating them up with damage enough that they have to just keep wasting. Sometimes you just randomly get rid of key cards, but also they just have to keep expending actions to draw back up, and they can't afford to run with low hands. I mean, it's just kind of... It's just another way of constraining them, so... Yeah. Basically... You just fetal AI is just like, well, this seems better than private security force. <laughs> One card that I found that was actually better than I thought it was initially is Sensei. Do you run Sensei in your deck? I did, but I couldn't get... The positional ice is really tough sometimes. It, it is. Um, my deck runs three Neural Katana, three pop-up windows, and a Janus. And those are the things I put a sensei in front of, generally. And it really works. All of the positional ice really cuts down. I don't want to, like, I don't want to use any of the positional ice for the most part, which really cuts down on functional Jinteki ice. Well, well uh, part, of, part of the problem is that one set of positional ice is generally okay. You can normally, you know, uh, adjust for it. It's that Jinteki has so much positional ice. You have to choose between Sensei or Chum or right. Self Portal. You can't run all three. Right. Which makes it rough, because that means you're almost always importing ice. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I actually... So I, I, I know I just said I'm about to rip apart my Jinteki and and just make it Haas Bioroid, but I actually just redid it and, and yeah, that was, I took out the, oh, God, I'm blanking on the name of the ridiculously good Haas Bioroid money generator thing, Adonis Campaign. <laughs> yeah, and I took those out because it's like I need to use even more of my influence on ice, and I just went ahead and put private contracts in instead of, the Adonis campaign, so that I could have more, which is definitely worse, I think, than Adonis campaign. It is. Because it's like, well, I'm going to downgrade there so I could try to get some better. I'm tired of having Chum in this deck. It's terrible. <laughs> I I think Private Contracts is 
better than you're putting it out to be. It really depends on who you're running against. I have seen runners who, if you put an Adonis campaign out there and res it, unprotected, they won't run on it. Which is a mistake, but they won't. Wow, really? Yes. You Or you res it, you have to be smart and res it at the time where they don't have the credits to spare to trash it. Okay, if you have an unprotected Adonis campaign, and I have zero credits, my turn is take three credits and trash your Adonis campaign. Yes, that sounds correct. However, with private contracts, at five, the choice is much more difficult. Because you keep it unresed, you res it, and you get almost half of the usefulness out of it before the runner gets a chance to, to trash it. Yeah, yeah, you could just pull a bunch of cash off of it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's not, I mean, Adon- let's see what, Adonis campaign over the life of the card nets you eight. Mm-hmm. And uh, private contracts nets you 11. It just obviously, well, it, except it it's does. It's one click for eight or seven clicks for 11. Yeah. So I guess if you look at it that way, Adonis nets you at least 14 because you have the option, you theoretically would have the option of just burning all those other clicks on taking a bit. Yeah. But I still think, I don't, man, I don't think I've ever thrown an Adonis campaign out there undefended, because I know it'll just get trashed. Well, it, the reason you do it is to check your uh, what the runner and how he runs. If you resident Adonis campaign and the runner doesn't immediately trash it, you have sort of a leeway to figure out, to know what to do. So, for example, if I throw a private contract out and the runner doesn't immediately run on it, I can do things like next turn install a snare and a brain trust unprotected and have a pretty good chance of actually scoring that brain trust next turn. Because everyone runs differently. Does that make sense? Yes. Yep. And I've done that several times. Yeah, we actually have regionals coming up here, so we'll have... We could be battle-tested or something. <laughs> uh, uh, regionals up here is happening in May, and I am TOing for that, so that... We actually have two sets here. Uh, the Gaming Pit has Netrunner and Star Wars Regionals in April, and then Ravens? Raven's Nest. Raven's Nest. See, I want to say Ravenstone, but Ravenstone is in Columbus. <laughs> so, yeah, and then Raven's Nest, which is that since Smyrna or Marietta is having, again, Netrunner and Star Wars Regionals on consecutive weekends in May. So... Well... I know about my store's uh, regionals, partly because that's where I work. And I don't really know about any other regionals in the area. Also partly because I don't get weekends off, so there's no way I would actually be able to go to any other regionals. Yeah. It's strange. Yeah, and I've still got Criminal together for my main uh, runner deck. That's a shock, I'm sure. Well, uh, you could reasonably have any of the three runners. Yes. There's no, oh, you're running Jinteki? That's weird. There's none of that in in any of the runners. 
I would be sort of surprised if I saw a, a Kate deck against me. That's what I run. To Chaos Theory. Okay, uh, for David Kempe and Mike Cook, I'm Chris Stevenson. You've been listening to Strange Assembly. Tune in. You don't tune in. Nobody tunes in. Why am I saying that? <laughs> you can find more episodes of Strange Assembly on iTunes or by visiting our website at strangeassembly.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or Twitter at Strange Assembly. You can email me at chris at strangeassembly.com. We always love to hear from our listeners and our readers. And happy running.